0: How many of you have ever heard something you thought was too good to be true? Work 10 hours a week from home and make $10,000 a week. Have you ever seen those ads? I get those on my uh, computer every week. Of course, they don't tell you you'll have to sell crack cocaine to do that. Uh, And you'll be spending 20 years in Angola for that. But, you know, most of the time when you hear something is too good to be true, the truth is it's too good to be true. But this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to look at something that's out of this world. I mean, it's, it's marvelous. It's worth saying amen to. Hallelujah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, in fact, my main thought this morning is this. What God has in store for those who love Him is too good to be true. But it's true. What God has in store for the people who love Him is, and follow him is too good to be true, but it is true. Our text today is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. If you have a Bible, you can read with me. If not, follow along on the screens. It says, however, as it is written, no eye has seen, nor, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. You know, it's interesting. We don't really know where, where Paul, God through Paul, was getting this, where it says, uh, for, however, it is written because there's not really an Old Testament or another New Testament verse that says this. Scholars believe maybe it was a compilation of Isaiah 64, 4 and Isaiah sixty five seventeen. but whatever, how it turned out when God spoke it through Paul, it was wonderful. It was fantastic. What is this great verse saying? What is it talking about? Well, here's the first thing. One, it's talking about life here on this earth. It's saying this, that God has prepared, and prepared means to make ready. It means to to pave the way. God has made ready. God has in store. God has plans for those who will follow him down here on this earth that that are out of this world. Okay? Some scholars say that this verse is only talking about heaven. Some say it's only talking about here on this earth. The truth is it's talking about both. We're gonna see heaven more as our main emphasis in a moment. But one thing this verse is saying, now listen to what this verse is saying. It's saying, if you and I will sincerely get get off center, get off the fence, and we will jump in with God and we will follow him with all of our heart, not our way, but his way. If we will if we will live for him. With passion, not our agenda, but his agenda, that the places he will take you, the things that he will do with your life, will be out of this world. Young people, you guys get a hold of this right now. If you will follow God, where you will end up, what he will do with your life will be far greater than you can ever imagine. So here's what happens to most of us who are older. Many of us are Christians. We've given our life to Christ, but slowly and surely, we've taken it back, haven't we? And God really doesn't run the show anymore. We say he does, you know, because that's what we're supposed to. But we run the show, and we live so subpar below what God wants us to, we never realize this. First thing this passage was talking about was the here and now. That if you will live with God and for God with all your heart, he'll take you on a ride that's out of this world. But secondly, it's talking about heaven. It's talking about the life to come. Now, some of you may say, well, you know, heaven's great, but I don't plan on going there for a long time. I'm not encouraging you today to uh, to pack your bags and leave this afternoon, although you never know when you will be leaving. But everybody has got a date with eternity. And the, the thing you need to do is make sure that you're going to heaven, because I can promise you the alternative is not very good. But going to heaven is going to be absolutely out of this world. Read verse 9 again with me. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, those who have a real relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Again, the word prepared there means to make ready. It's interesting. In in John chapter 14, Jesus was getting ready to die on the cross, arise from the dead. Then he was going to go back to heaven. But he told his followers, he said, guys, look, one thing I want you to know, I'm leaving, but I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you. Isn't that awesome? God says, listen, I'm leaving, but I'm going to get a place ready for you. And then someday when your time comes, I'm going to take you to be with me. That's one of the things God is saying this morning. God's saying, listen, if you are not a Christian, give your life to me today. If you are a Christian, God God says this, that he is preparing even today a place for you in heaven that's going to be out of this world. And I got to tell you something that's going to be disappointing to many of you today. There won't be any women in heaven, I'm afraid. I don't know that for sure. Rome, uh, Revelation 8.1, it says, When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. One time I was talking to Dr. Bill Tanner about heaven, and he said, You know, I read this, and I just don't believe that there will be a woman in heaven after reading that. Bill I don't know. I don't know. Bill didn't say that, Don. OK, I was just joking. I was trying to get y'all 's attention. The guys up front were like, "No chicks in heaven. No, they'll be there. They'll be. only people be in heaven will be saved people, correct? Amen. That'll be men and women and, and everybody else. OK, what is heaven like? What is heaven like? Listen, anthropologist studying humanity. What they found about almost every culture, almost every culture has looked ahead to the life to come. Our Native Americans talked about the happy hunting ground where you would go and where you would be joyful and happy and, and you would have your horses and you would hunt buffalo and it would be a perfect society. The ancient Egyptians, you know, and we found out in these great pyramids, they built these elaborate things expecting the pharaohs to live on forever. In fact, in some of the pyramids, they actually found maps to instruct them what to do and where to go in the life to come. The Romans talked about the Elysian fields, the place where they would go when they died that would be perfect and serenity and their horses, their white horses would be in one pasture and, and their life would be perfect. We, we dream and we hope that this is not it. That that even though it can be a great ride, but we hope that 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, that that's not all. Well, the Bible says it's not all. And the Bible clearly defines What's going to happen in the next life? Our focus today is on the good side of that. In verse 9, he makes some incredible statements. And he starts with this. No eye has seen what God has prepared for those who love them. You know, your eye is one of the gateways that you, you do life. It's the way you experience things. It's the way one of the ways you receive information. And here's what God says. God says... You have never laid eyes on, at this earth, you've never laid eyes on the majesty and the wonder of what lies ahead. I want you to think this morning, what is, some, what is a wonderful thing for you to see? What are some of the most wonderful things you have seen in your life? Gosh, I don't even know how that got on there. That's we have a picture of Tech football stadium when they, they beat... Mississippi State there uh, in 2008, and it was packed with people. And, that, you know, that's, that's an exciting, that's a pretty picture. Kyle has some pictures of some beaches that, man, isn't that pretty? That's the new parsonage. That's the moat in between the land and the, uh, the isn't that beautiful? But here's what God says. No matter what beautiful things you have seen in your life, some of you have seen some really pretty things. It has no comparisons to heaven. We've got some verses in Revelation 21 that, that tell us this. It says, and he carried me away in spirit to a mountain great and high, and he showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. And it shone with the glory of God, and his brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. And in verse 18, the wall was made of jasper in the city of pure gold. Did you get that? The city of what? Pure cardboard? No, pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agat, and the fourth emerald. And then we jump over a few verses in verse 21. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made by a single pearl. Can you imagine that? Wow. (laughs) And, And the great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. Folks, what the Bible says about heaven is that you and I, no matter what a beautiful things, the many beautiful things we've seen, we have never laid eyes on. What God has in store for us someday in Jesus Christ. And then he says this: not only has your eye not seen, but your ear has not heard in verse 9. You know, another gateway that we experience life is through our hearing. And we experience and understand life through our hearing. Now, this is this may seem a little bit strange, but the Bible says. What's going on in heaven is so wonderful. You've never even heard anything that compares to it. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1 through 4, Paul says, I must go on boasting, although there's nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. To them, the third heaven is where God lived. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man, he's talking about himself, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. And heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Paul had the the unique experience. God allowed him to experience heaven for just a little bit. And here's one of the things he came back and said. I heard things that were so wonderful, I can't even express it. And I'm not even allowed to tell you if I could express it. Uh, Do you all remember when Don Piper, many of you remember Don Piper was here Don Piper was here in 2006. He was the guy who wrote the book, 90 Minutes in Heaven. He was in a terrible car crash. He was pronounced dead. He came back to life. But during that time when he was dead, he... I actually went to the gates of heaven. One of the things he said about heaven, he said, when I got there, he said there was beautiful, beautiful music of all kinds. I told him in the early service to please everybody You had hymns and choruses. You had, you had trumpets and guitars and organs and piano. He said it was beautiful, beautiful. And he said it was all harmonious. It, it all sounded wonderful. You see, the Bible says heaven is going to be so awesome that, that you have never, you and I have never laid eyes on how great it's going to be. We have never heard the, the the wonder of the sounds and things that are going to be there. Then he says a third thing. He says no mind has imagined what God has prepared for you and me. One of the ways we experience new life is through cognition, through thinking, and through our mind. Now, I want you to get a hold of this. God says that nobody, no one has even imagined what God has in store for us. Let me pause for a second. How many of you are planning on going to heaven someday? Okay. That's good stuff, isn't it? Dr. Hans Morvick, who is a scientist at Carnegie Mellon University, listen to what he said about the human brain. He said the human brain has the power, the processing power, to, to process 100 trillion calculations per second. Did you hear that? Now, some of you may be at 50 trillion. I know. I understand. 100 trillion calculations per second. Folks, that's chugging, isn't it? You know what that says? That says is that God has created in your mind a wonderful, powerful computer instrument. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says as great as your mind is, you and I have never conceived what God has prepared for those who love us. Isn't that amazing? Thomas Aquinas said several hundred years ago, human reason cannot put, put its hands around what God has prepared for us. And, you know, that's one of those statements you go, yeah, exactly right. Now, I want to give you some concrete things. I want to give you five things. There's 5,000 things, but you guys would probably, about one thirty or 2, would get up and leave. So we'll, we'll just stick with five this morning. Five things about heaven that the Bible says that are just absolutely phenomenal. And I want you to get a hold of these and swallow them and, and let it really touch your heart and change your life this morning. Here's one thing the Bible says. In heaven, we will be in the visible, physical, using our terminology, Presence of God. Folks, the Bible says today that God is in this room. That if you're a Christian, the Spirit of God lives in you. God is literally in this room. When we walk into heaven, here's going to be one of the coolest things. Not only is God going to be there in spirit, we're going to see God. And in Revelation 21 3, it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will be with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, folks, God is our God today. God is with us today. This is talking about on a new level of intimacy. In Revelation 22, 4, I think it explains it. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. In First John, it tells us we will see him someday as he is. Can you imagine walking into heaven and seeing the Lord? Isn't that not incredible? Is that not incredible? I think, by the way, I think people in hell will see him too. But it'll be a whole lot better seeing him face to face than seeing his feet. Amen? One thing about heaven is we will be in the literal presence of God. Here's the second thing the Bible tells us. There will be no more death in heaven. Folks, death is a part of life. I know that sounds oxymoronic, but it is stats say that that in our world every second about two people die so in 1 minute about 120 people die throughout our world when they were building the internet uh, internet the interstate system in america engineers talked about what was the greatest barrier they faced Now, i would have thought it was rivers i would have thought it was mountains things like that rednecks who didn't want to let people you know go through their land You ain't going to play my land. You can hear, yeah, that was, I'm sure that was said a lot. The biggest problem was graveyards. One engineer said America is one gigantic graveyard. They plot a course and then they go, okay, we got to go around this graveyard. We got to go this way, above it, under, you know, what do we, you don't go under a graveyard, obviously. But we got to, you know, graveyards were the problem. And many of you are too young that this has hit home with you yet. I, I did two funerals last week. Man, death is a bad, horrible part of life. And it separates us. It separates us from people we love. In Revelation 22, 4, 21, 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Read that little part there. There will be more death. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Folks, when you enter heaven, hell is described as eternal death. Heaven is described as eternal life. When you and I go to heaven, we will enter a place where death will be no more. That family member, that friend, that husband, that wife, that person you love, you won't ever have to worry about them leaving you again or you leaving them. Death will be gone. Here's another cool thing. There will be no more pain in heaven. How many of you ever occasionally have a little pain, a little pain? I read this week, and obviously this is going to vary, but in America last few years, <clears throat> 25 to 30 million, 25 to 30 million Americans have had some kind of surgical procedure which has involved anesthesia. One thing you think about with that is pain, correct? The National Institute of Health said that in our country alone, 50 million Americans say they experience chronic pain. In other words, something hurts all the time. And, and you know, well, it's my wife. She's my pain in the back. No, we're not talking about your husband or your wife. We're talking about physical pain. In, in, in our country, in our country alone, 30 million people take an antidepressant. Not all that's for depression, but a lot of it is. In other words, we are a country that physically and emotionally, man, we hurt. We experience pain. That Revelation 21.4 again, it says there will be no more death. Our mourning, our crying, our pain, for the old order of things are passed away. You see, when you get to heaven, there won't be any more backaches, toothaches, or heartaches. There won't be depression. There won't be sadness. There won't be grief. There won't be looking back and wondering what if or looking forward and saying, I I can't do it. You won't have to worry about the undertaker. I have some good friends who are undertakers who will be unemployed in heaven. Isn't that good? There will be no more pain in heaven. Here's the fourth thing that's really, really important. We're going to know each other, and we're actually going to like each other in heaven. You know, the most common question I'm asked about heaven is, will we know each other? You know why people want to know that? Because you love somebody, and you spend time with somebody, and the thought of dying, even if you both go to heaven, and you're not knowing them, man, that's uncomfortable. That's, that's uncomfortable. That's sad. I love what a a preacher in England said about 150 years ago. When he was asked that question, he said, do we know each other here? And the lady said, yes. And he said, we're gonna be a lot smarter there than we are here, and if you know people here, you're gonna know people there. There's a story in Matthew 17 where Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a mountain with him to pray, and while they're up there, something unbelievably cool happened. God the Father shows up, and Moses and Elijah show up and start talking to Jesus. Now, a little context. Moses and Elijah had bought the ticket onto heaven about 3,000 years earlier, okay? And Peter doesn't know what to do, so he starts running his mouth. You know anybody like that? They get nervous, they panic, they don't know what to do, so they just start talking. That was Peter. And Peter, and I'm paraphrasing, Peter said, Jesus, this is cool. Moses and Elijah are here. Let's set up tents and let's party. Let's have a great time. This is going to be awesome. We'll we'll have Bible studies. How did he know it was Moses and Elijah? The name tags? And he had in his wallet and his robe, didn't he? they are pictures. It's 2,000 years ago, guys. They didn't have smartphones. They didn't have cameras. I believe supernaturally these guys who had died two, th- two or three thousand years ago, as a fellow believer, he recognized them and knew them. Yes, we are going to know each other in heaven. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And like I said, we're going to actually like each other. You know, one of the weirdest things in the world is we say we love Jesus, and a lot of us can't even get along. Sometimes it is one of us doesn't love Jesus, but two. Sometimes people are good Christians and they just they struggle. You know, it's maybe that's the greatest miracle in heaven. Everybody's going to like each other. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool. Here's the fifth thing. I said I was going to give you five. I'm going to give you six. We're going to have wonderful tasks in heaven. There was a time, a letter to the editor in Time Magazine this last, so, oh, April, and the guy writing in said, you know, heaven, Christians talk about heaven, and it, it all sounds nice and fluffy, but really it sounds kind of boring to me, kind of sounds like a sissy's place to me. You know, as a kid, I, I think my view of heaven was we would sit on clouds, we would wear like baptismal robes, and we would learn to play the harp, which would be okay, And that's what we would do 24 7. And you know, to be honest with you, after a little while, that'd get old, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it, men? Yes, it would get old. You see, that's, but that's a kindergartner's view of heaven. If you, if you study. And you read about heaven, what, what most scholars think heaven's going to be like, it's going to be more like the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 than anything else we can imagine where Adam and Eve walked and talked with God. They had tasks. They were busy. They were about life. They weren't just sitting around all day humming. They were doing things. And, and that, I think it's one of the exciting things to think about is when you die and you go to heaven, not only is it permanent, wonderful, great health, but you're going to be doing things that are wonderful and enjoyable. There's a great book I want to recommend to you. The title of it is real easy. It's Heaven. Heaven. It's written by a guy named Randy Alcorn. Randy Alcorn, this may be one of the best books I've ever seen on heaven. And some of his takes on things are going to be very different than than what you've heard. He talks about this. He also talks about the great question, will our dogs be in heaven? And Randy Alcorn says what your preacher believes, absolutely, they will be in heaven. That heaven's going to be greater than we can ever imagine. Why would we leave our puppies out? Amen. In Revelation 22, there's a passage that said there, no dogs will be allowed into heaven. And I've literally had someone say that to me. That's not talking about puppies. That was using dogs as a metaphorical way, of talking about sorry people. Okay? Really, it was. But heaven's, gonna, heaven's not going to be dull. Heaven's not going to be boring. Heaven's going to be the most exciting ride that you can ever imagine. And here's the last thing it's forever. It's forever. Folks, the Bible talks about hell being eternal death, non-ending death, and about heaven being eternal, non-ending life. And and, and here's what, listen, some of us are saying this morning, ah, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, I'm not sure. This sounds too good to be true. I think God knew that you'd think it was too good to be true. Because in Revelation 21.5, look what he says. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Folks, God does not have to look at you and me and say what I said is true, does he? I mean, he's God. If God looks at you and me and says, hey, what I'm saying is trustworthy and true, I'm guessing he may have thought, yeah, this could be an exaggeration. Maybe this is just all figurative. God said, no, no, no. What I am telling you is absolutely the truth. How many of you have heard the name Marco Polo? That's where water polo came from probably. Marco Polo, He's was playing in the swimming pool growing up. Marco Polo was a real person. He, uh, he lived in the 13th century. Uh, he was a Venetian man. And as a young man, he set out to travel the world. And for 25 or 30 years, he traveled to China, to Central Asia. He went to places, as far as we know, no European man had ever been. And when he came back, two and a half, three decades later, he came back with these marvelous, unbelievable tales of what he had seen and experienced. People thought he was absolutely out of his mind. They even sent his priest to him to plead with him to confess and repent. And when Marco Polo was dying on his deathbed, instead of his family saying, Oh, Marco, we love you. It's going to be good in heaven. They were saying, Please recant of all these wild stories you told us about these places you went because everybody, including us, thinks you're a nut. And here's what he said. I didn't tell you half of what I've seen. I want to tell you this morning with heaven... I haven't told you one 1,000 because I don't know any more than what I've told you or what it's going to be like. Isn't it going to be awesome? Let's pray. If you're a Christian, boy, I hope today that you will embrace, reflect upon, and live worthily of what God's got ready for you. If you're not a Christian, how how or why in the world would you want to miss this place? Would you give your life to Christ right where you're seated this morning? Just pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're God's Son. And that you died for me. And Jesus, I ask you today to come into my heart. I give you my life. Let me have your attention just for a moment. In a minute, we're going to have you stand. Justin's going to sing a beautiful song. You're welcome just to to listen or to sing along with him. More importantly than that, I want to challenge you to respond to Christ. Christian, why don't you lead the way this morning? Maybe you need to step out and come to the altar and pray or pray with a minister. Maybe honestly you have not been living a life worthy of what God has for you and you need to repent. Christian, every one of us needs to make it our mission to take as many other people to heaven with us as we can. Christian, will you make the right choices today? Maybe you'd like to join our church today. We'd love for you to. One way you can do that is by coming in a moment. There'll be ministers down front. We'll help you with that process. Maybe you asked Christ in your heart a moment ago. Or maybe you're ready to. We'll have ministers down here to help you with this. By all means, don't leave this place unsure of where you're going to spend eternity. Let's stand. And as we sing, respond to what God said to you today.